G'day gentlemen, welcome to our third installment of our series on Biblical Manhood. I pray you're doing well, and I hope that this is going to be a blessing and an encouragement to you. Again, uh, feel free to share this with friends or family members that you think would benefit. Uh, also, if you're a father, I hope that you're watching these or relaying these to your sons of teenage years, maybe sending them to your adult sons, sitting down with your children and doing it with them. Um, I, I want to start out this week with a bit of a story or, or, or analogy. I don't know if you've ever been at the airport and uh, coming towards uh, the, the front of the line in those enormous zigzagging uh, lines coming up to security where you check your bags in uh, and you can be there. I, I was When I was going on my honeymoon, uh, we were leaving Brisbane, going to uh, Melbourne that trip was, um, to then go on to Tasmania. But we were going, doing the Melbourne, uh, Melbourne Brisbane to Melbourne flight at 8 30 a.m. on a Monday morning, which I didn't realize was an extremely busy time. So, so I'm there with my usual hour and a half uh, time gap early with my new wife, Joy, uh, at that time. Uh, but it was nowhere near uh, enough time for the amount of people that are in the airport. Anyway, the the lines were enormous. It took us about an hour plus to, to go through to the point of checking in our bags and everybody was on flight time similar to us, so we couldn't skip, and, and that's just the, the way that it goes. But how many of us have been in similar situations? There's a hilarious phenomenon uh, that occurs at airports in situations like that, and it's that no matter how long gentlemen seem to have while they're waiting there, right, we might be waiting there for an hour, 50 minutes, 45 minutes, whatever it is, no matter how long we have, we get up to the front, and we realize we're next in line, and we're we're rushed and we're stressed and we're anxious and when they call us forwards to the desk we're scrambling over the paperwork and the passport and the tickets and the uh, the, the visa maybe it's an international flight all these things but we, we seem to do that get all get all uh, uh, flustered at the last minute and there's no reason for it we just had an hour to prepare the reality is that always seems to happen I, I find it funny now watching guys do this ahead of me in line as they, they sort of get called on and then and then start stressing out about getting ready. Here's, here's what's going on there. We're in line, we're waiting, things are taking a long time, we want it to pass, we want it to be over, we want to be at the end of the line already. But with our actions, we're actually displaying that we don't believe we're going to get to the end of the line and we're going to actually be called up ahead to check our bags. What happens is that we... Uh, in that moment when we're, we're rushing to get things ready, because we didn't use the time prior to be prepared, we're going to miss something. There's going to be things that we overlook, that we are not prepared uh, are prepared or organized as we ought to be, because we didn't take the time. There's, this speaks to a larger habit and pattern that goes on in the lives of men in our world. And it's that we assume that we can be prepared for something, or we can prepare for something, at the moment that the call comes. And this feeds into a lot of uh, what it means to, to be a man. Most men live today as if, you know, right? they might say, well, I'm not married yet. I don't need to think about getting married. I'll get prepared for marriage when uh, marriage is just around the corner. And like these guys at the, at the airport line, our name is called on, we're unprepared because we didn't take the time prior to get prepared. Or we, uh, young men might think, I'm not, an, I'm not an adult yet, I'm still a teenager, so I don't have to think about being an adult yet. I'm not a father yet. Probably a bunch of guys watching this, you're not a father yet. What business do you have thinking about fatherhood and being a father? 
Guys might think I'm, I'm not employed yet, I'm still young, or I'm not stepping into my career yet, why do I have to think about being, being uh, employed? I'm not a homeowner yet, why do I need to think about taxes, land taxes, sales, mortgages, refinancing, all that sort of thing? Why do I need to think about it? I'm not a leader yet, somebody might say. Why do I need to learn about being a leader? I'm not sexually active yet. Why do I need to be thinking about sexual activity and purity and fighting lusts and all of this sort of thing? Um, I'm, I'm not at this moment, somebody might say, engaging in a, uh, with engaging with other people in a defense for my faith, giving apologetics, evangelizing to those who have different worldviews to me. I don't have to do that yet. Why do I need to think about doing that yet? What this is, uh, this, this terrible habit that we have is that it leads into, instead of preparing young men for adulthood, instead of being prepared ourselves for what is to come, we're assuming we'll be able to sort it out once we get there. Like the guy at the airport. Once I get to the front of the line, I'll get all my things organized. In, some people just have so much disorganization as we think about living as men. They would be more akin to a, an example of a man getting to the front of the line and then thinking at that moment he can apply for his passport. Or he can book a ticket. Now, those things are supposed to be done by the time you get there so that when the call comes, you can step into what you need to do rather than try and get prepared. So this, this happens a lot. Now, I want to give you some statistics of what our, this is recent data in the last few years of Australia. <clears throat> I'll give you the data, then we'll explain it a little bit after. Teenage young women. Okay, teenage young women are more likely to be employed than our teenage young men at a rate of 48% uh, uh, of young women who are in their teenage years are employed, 42% of young men are. That's a backward statistic. Why are young guys not entering the workforce? And it can't just be an age thing because their female counterparts are entering the workforce. Why is this the case? That 80% of men, 88% of men aged 20 to 24 will have finished uh, year 12, whereas 92% of women will have finished year 12 or equivalent, hence we've got a few extra years there. You're not graduating as a 24 year old. Why is that? Why are young men less educated than young women? Why is it that 44% uh, of women in their 20s have achieved a bachelor, whereas only 32% of men in their 20s in Australia have achieved a bachelor study. Or we can look at this, that women are more likely to be owning homes outright, right? Buying a home, owning it outright. Women are more likely to do that. Women are more likely to be uh, living in a home that they are mortgaging out and still making repayments on than men are. Men are less likely to have bought a house with a mortgage, less likely to pay it off and I think the reason is because while our culture and this, this, this culture that's been taken over largely in, in a lot of feminist mindsets and worldviews, we're in a culture that encourages and exhorts young women forwards to be thinking about the future, be independent, see what you can do to overcome struggles that will face you in life. And they sort of preach this at young women, but it is lacking for our young men to be thinking about the future, to be engaged to be encouraged, to be uh, futuristically uh, thinking. And so it, it largely happens that young men sit back, they relax too long, they extend their childhood years into what we now call 
teenagers or adolescent years, which are wasted time. We need young men to go from boys to men. That's what I want us to do today, is change our mindset around this topic. <clears throat> the, the, the reality is that, that young men are underutilized. They're less employed than they could be. Those who are employed are working less than they can be. They are less encouraged, less empowered, less equipped from what they could be in their potential as image bearers of God who are put on this earth to be the glory of God to the glory of Jesus. <clears throat> that this is the constant mindset of young men. When I get there, I'll sort it out. I'm not there yet. I don't need to sort it out and start thinking about it. Like the guy at the airport. This is a, a, a spoken to in a thematic sense back in Exodus chapter 12. Uh, by example, I want, I want to just go there. Um, in Exodus chapter 12, you'll recall the Passover when God had spoken to the, Egypt, uh, to the Israelites in Egypt through Moses. And he told them, uh, I'm going to rescue you. You're going to be called out in a hurry out of Egypt. I'm going to send my spirit of death to go and kill the young, uh, the firstborn son. So put blood over your household and all of this. But then he gives them a meal to eat, the Passover meal to eat that night. And this is the manner in which they were to eat it. Exodus chapter 12, uh, verse 11 says, In this manner you are to eat it. That is the, the, the feast on the night that God sends his angel of death. In this manner you are to eat it. With your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. The reality is that God said to them on that night, I'm going to call you to run out of Egypt, to get everything you have and, and leave when I, when I call you. And therefore you shall be eating this meal, not like they used to, with their belts off, sandals off, reclined, relaxing, expecting to uh, sleep in in the morning. No. The Lord told them, eat it quickly, always expecting that any moment the call may come from the leaders to start fleeing Egypt. So eat with your shoes ready to go, on your feet. Eat with your staff in your hand. Don't even leave it sitting next to you. Eat with your belt fastened. He was telling them, be ready so that when the call comes, you don't have to get ready. This is the call that I'm trying to put to young men, to be ready to start the work of preparation on yourself according to the word of God so that when the call comes to do whatever it is that you will be called to do, you don't have to get ready, but you will be ready. We see this additionally spoken to in uh, Matthew chapter 25, where Jesus tells the parable of the ten virgins. Matthew chapter 25, beginning in verse 1, Jesus tells the story. He says, The kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Okay, ten young women uh, going forwards to meet a man who they may marry. Five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. Here's what defines folly and wisdom in this situation. For when the foolish took their lamps, right, their little torches, little uh, oil-burning torches, they took them with no oil in them. In other words, no fuel. Okay, they've got a torch with no batteries, right? But the wise took flasks of oil with them, with their lamps. So, so, so these gals not only have oil in the lamps, they've got leftovers next to it so that at any point they can refill, they're prepared. Here's the tragedy. 
As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom! Come out to meet him! And then all the virgins rose up, got their lamps ready, and the foolish ones said to the wise ones, Please give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. Right? Moment of call. They're saying, let's get ready, let's get prepared. Prepared people, please help us out. And here's the response of the wise. The wise answered saying, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go to the dealers, buy yourself some oil. And so they went out to buy. While they were gone, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went with him to the marriage feast. And the door was shut. The other virgins came also afterwards saying, Lord, open to us. But he answered, truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Now the greatest tragedy in this world is when people, refusing to prepare for the future in the greatest sense, a salvation sense, a spiritual sense, do not align their lives with Christ. They do not place their faith in Christ. They keep on putting it off. They're unprepared. They believe this lie that when he comes, then I'll get prepared. And the call of faith is, of course, to be prepared now. Trust your sin to Christ. Trust your soul to Christ. He has paid for sin. He will rule your life very well. He will lead you into righteousness and life. And he will grant to you complete salvation in the moment that you trust him. The great tragedy is that young men and women, old men and old women, put this off. Continually thinking, I'll do it next year. I'll do it another time. I'll live a little for myself first. I'll indulge in worldly passions. And the call is, be prepared now, because when the time comes, you will have no time. Well, we can apply this also to many areas, every area of our life. That we will often think, when the call comes, I'll get ready. But that, according to Jesus, is folly. It's foolishness. The wise man gets ready now, so that he can be ready at the moment of call. I want to apply this to a whole lot of different areas of our life. <clears throat> Number one, here's my solution to young men and old men who are not living the way that they should be, not living with this future uh, insight, <clears throat> with this future mentality, who are often unprepared for each stage of life that they get to. Here's my solutions. Number one, uh, we need to see the future as reality. See the future as reality. Of course, that sounds strange or extremely obvious, like the future is coming. Don't we know that? Well, if we knew it, if we truly believed it, we would be acting like future realities are going to happen. We would not be like that guy getting caught at the front of the line at the airport, unprepared. Of course, he said, I always believed that this time was coming, but he didn't put that into practice. So I want us as men to continually be thinking of the future as a reality. Hebrews 11 calls uh, the assurance of things yet to come that are unseen. That's faith. Now we live by faith. Most of the Christian hope and assurance and what we believe and look for is future and unseen as of yet. We are those who look to the future. But what I mean is also that you would look to the future of your life, what would come in the future if the Lord does not come back, assume that that is going to happen. Right now, many people want to sort of step in and say, well, we can't be sure. Well, you know, James te uh, Jesus tells us, take no thought for tomorrow. James tells us you don't know what will happen tomorrow. You know, we're told Jesus could come back at any time, so why don't we live like that? Well, that's actually foolishness to think 
if Jesus is coming back tomorrow or the next day, I won't be engaged in the faithfulness I ha- uh, that it, of the things that are set before me now. I'll just kick back and wait. That's folly. What Jesus wants to find when he comes back, even if it's tomorrow or the next day, are people who are living like we had a, another few hundred years here on earth, like we had the rest of our life to live, and therefore we're living in everyday faithfulness, not sitting around waiting, assuming he's going to take us away from our responsibilities. So, young men, assume you're going to get married. Older men, assume you're going to be fathers and grandfathers and great-grandfathers. Blokes, assume you're going to have a job, progress, buy a house, raise a family. Uh, Assume these things and you'll actually start living in that way and view all your life as in a process leading along this path. Don't assume, this is just uh, constant folly. Don't assume that where you are, the responsibilities you have, the people you relate to, that is what you're going to have and that is who you're going to relate to. They are all the responsibilities you're going to have for the rest of your life. Now remember, we're growing. Time is going on. We're coming to the front of the line. Live with future in sight. Number two, see yourselves in light of the future. So, So not just in general, the future will almost certainly happen for years to come. But also, see yourselves in light of that future. Okay, so right now, you are just maybe primary school kid, maybe high school young man, maybe you're in college, maybe you're in your first couple of years of marriage, wherever you are here, maybe you're, you're towards the other end of the timeline and you're, you're gray-haired and, and, uh, or bald-headed and uh, you're towards the end of your time here on earth. See yourself in the reality of the future. So, uh, and with that, with that in place, prepare for what that future holds for you. So I want to say, you know, foolishness says, I'll prepare, like we've been saying, foolishness says, I'll prepare when I get there. Wisdom says, I will prepare now so that when I get there, I'm ready. I remember when I was talking to my dad once, I got some, it's like 250 bucks uh, as a reward, uh, in, uh, because of an award that I had gotten for some academic thing in high school, or whatever, for grade 11, that, that was a big bunch of cash just sort of thrown down on my lap. I thought, this is cool. And I thought I'd just give it to one of my friends, be real generous and Christian. I remember my dad saying in that moment, he, 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 he quite sternly rebuked me, saying, Tom, if you have nothing to do with your money, put it into savings. I mean, you're going to be spending millions of dollars over the course of your life, probably. Uh, so 250 bucks is, is a start. Like, like, like my immature mindset was, lots of money, I don't have anything to do with it, I'll get rid of it. And my father's advice was, lots of money, you don't currently have anything to do with it, so invest in the future. Invest in the future. I couldn't wrap my head around that. I thought, Dad, I don't have a house to pay for. I don't have a car to pay for. You guys pay for my food. What's the problem? I don't need money. It was quite an immature, childish mindset. But Paul tells us, when I was a child, I thought like a child. I acted like a child. I spoke like a child. Now that I'm a man, I put childish ways behind. I want to call every single one of us to rise up out of this uh, worldly mentality that, that I had as a, as a young man. And to think rather biblically, how can I prepare for the future? It's coming. It's a reality. Um, for, you know, future, 
Husbands, you, you young men are future husbands. If you're single, that's you. See yourself as a future husband. Uh, so, so maybe I could ask this question to really put some feet on it. Have you started saving for your wedding? And you might say, I haven't met a woman yet. How can I start saving for a wedding? Well, friends, at some point you're going to have to meet her and you don't want to uh, start saving up just once you decide to get engaged. That might be too late. Uh, so start saving now. Have you started saving for engagement ring? You might say again, I haven't met the woman. Right, but you're thinking you'll get prepared once you get there. Start putting bits of money away now as a constant reminder. A woman will come at some point and when she does, she's gonna find me ready. How many of you young men are praying for your future spouse? You might not know her by name. You might not have even met her yet. Well, you have met her. She goes to this church. I don't know. But the point is that you should be praying for her, whoever she is. She's out there somewhere. You're going to take her, lead her, and love her for the rest of your life after you meet. So start preparing now. Or uh, future fathers. You, you got, if you're married, or even if you're not, also single guys, your future fathers. You know, 90-something percent of you will end up being fathers at some point in the future. Have you reckoned with that fact now? Because let me tell you, it is way too late when they get you to cut the, the uh, umbilical cord. It is way too late to, at that point, try and decide to be a good dad. Try and start Wikipediaing how to be a great father. That's too late. Start preparing now. And again, the world wants you to think, and your sinful nature wants you to think, that's for the future. That's responsibility. I don't want that. I want to be here, now, relaxed and having fun. Men. Young men. Think like men. The future is coming. Will it find you prepared or will it find you unprepared? <clears throat> also, we have uh, uh, young men. I want to ask this. As you're thinking about being a future father, that should influence your, your mindset now that you're constantly thinking, how will this sound when I'm talking to my kids? I don't know them yet. I haven't had kids yet. I haven't met their mum yet. But my decisions now, how will this affect how I speak to my kids? How will this affect how much of a good witness and example I will be able to point back to my past self as being? Have you ever thought as you're doing something, uh, how will this sound when I speak to my kids and say, well, when I was your age, kids, I dot, dot, dot. Will that be a good testimony or a bitter testimony that you'll have to try and hide or explain? Live now like you are going to be future fathers. <clears throat> you're also future leaders. So you, at this moment, maybe a leader in the workforce, maybe in the church, maybe in the government, maybe in your university, wherever it is, many of you are future leaders and you don't know it yet. We should all be seeking how, what the Bible says and what we can learn from godly leaders about how to be good leaders. You will not be a good leader once you're made a leader, once you're given a role or an office. You're going to be a good leader because you're preparing yourself at all points to lead people to Jesus, lead people in the biblical way of living, and lead people to flourishing. <clears throat> See the future. Maybe even as you think of your job. Maybe I'm, I'm talking to young guys now who have jobs that are not all that impressive. You're just a mopper or you're just a chip fryer at McDonald's. Praise the Lord for both of you. But you're aware this is not the greatest and grandest job. This is not your career goals. Well, you need to be thinking not simply that you are here. Think of this as the first step in lots of steps that will become a flourishing career. Think while you're mopping floors now, think how you can be 
utilizing every day for preparing you to be a future entrepreneur, CEO, boss, an employer of other people. Think now about the future and prepare. I want to say thirdly, to see other males. We've just said to see yourself in light of the future and prepare accordingly because it's coming. But I want you to also see other people in light of the future. See other males. And this is so important because it would be, um, and of course, I'm, I'm talking to a, a younger guys here again, maybe in your late teen years, uh, maybe the early fatherhood stage. <clears throat> uh, has it ever crossed your mind that your future, so your, your little brother or your new dad, your little baby is a future prime minister, pastor, professor, leader? Has it ever crossed your mind that they have a future, a, a, an important part to play in this country, church, society, family, whatever it is. Those kids are future grandfathers. They're future legacy holders. They're future bankers and financiers. It's, it all can be quite daunting when you realize that the kid chasing his sister around with a stick and flinging mess around the room, that guy's going to be leading a lot of people at some point. That's inevitable. What we need to ask is, will he be prepared? Not only will I be prepared, but I need to see others as needing preparation for the future. Because so many fathers will think that once my, uh, once my young men, sorry, once my sons are adults, I'll train them to be adults. I'll show them the ropes. That's too late. You've already gotten to the front of the line. They need to step forward and start acting as men at that point. Your young sons, start training them to be men. Your little kids, start training them to be responsible young adults. Your kids who don't know their future spouses, tell them to pray for their future spouses. Pray with them for their future. Pray with them for their future families. Train them in what it looks like to be a father and a husband and a leader. They will think you're crazy. They will not understand the weight of it. But as they develop, they will learn that a good father disciplines them well. <clears throat> it's way too late to learn how to load a gun when you're on the front line. You're going to wish that you had people training you before you got there. And that is what fathers and older brothers are meant for. So you see your children and your younger brothers as people that you need to invest in to help them prepare for manhood. Now, brothers, uh, culture doesn't want you to care. Culture is still crying out what Cain cried out in the Old Testament. Am I my brother's keeper? Nobody care about your younger brother. They're, they're their own responsibility. Mum and dad will do it. Well, brothers, we're men. We need to start behaving like men, thinking like men, and throwing off worldly concepts of brotherhood. We are in this together. We are brothers in arms. We hold shields interlocked one to another. You are your brother's keeper. God holds you responsible for what you do to and for your brothers, especially your younger brothers. I want to call you up to that. Step up, help train them. <clears throat> Married men, how many of you are ready to be dads, right? You need to be thinking of that as coming, preparing so that your kids, when they come into the world, you're preparing them always for the future. <clears throat> how many of you men have spoken to your young sons, maybe still in primary school, maybe still in kindy? How many of you have spoken to them about protecting girls, about defending women, about being kind and uh, uh, stepping up to that plate? 
I think this is telling of, of whether we really truly believe the future is coming and it's in the hands of the future men. <clears throat> it's way too late once our men, young men, our sons, our younger brothers, our nephews, people in our church, it's way too late to try and teach them how to fight pornographic lust once they're accessing pornography. That's way too late. They're already losing the battle. It's way too late to teach them how to be respectful to women once they're teenagers who are being disrespectful to their female teachers, aunties, and friends. It's way too late to teach our sons how to be responsible with money once they start getting their first job and having a whole bunch of cash flow in. That's way too late. They'll be irresponsible. Train them now. Do what we can to make them prepared for the future. Otherwise, they will. And this is... Um, absolutely the pattern where we have failed or where we do fail to disciple our young men the culture will chaos will enter into that leadership and discipleship vacuum and train our young men for us our sons for us and what they will become is adulterers abusers thieves rioters gluttons drunks fools rapists but if we prepare them now for the traps that will be before them in life and the responsibilities that will be before them in life and the callings that they will have in the future, as we look to the future for them and help them prepare, we will enable them to become faithful husbands, protectors of children and women, generous with what they have, self-control. They'll be sages with wisdom and they will be defenders. I want to say that this whole concept Thinking of the future, acting in light of the future, not trying to sit back and relax in what you currently enjoy, but moving always towards a greater fulfillment. This empowers you and it preserves you in the moments of real difficulty. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 tells us of Jesus that it was for the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorned its pain, and therefore he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The reality going on here is believing in what is the fruit of our labor, looking forward to what is unseen, but is the promised result of our hard work and sacrifices. Looking forward to that enables and empowers you to be preserved through the difficulty through the pain and go on strongly believing by faith that God will bring about what he has promised to do if I am in this moment faithful. And lastly, friends, it is so important to remember that Jesus did go to the cross. He went to the cross and scorned the shame that was due to undisciplined fathers. He scorned the shame and took the punishment of those who have been sexually unfaithful impure in their young, young years, adulterers in their adult years, for those who were unprepared and irresponsible for the uh, tasks and roles that were given to them as men. Our sins, our failures, our weaknesses, our rebellion, that has been dealt with in the cross of Christ so that we can come unburdened shoulders to Jesus by faith and repentance, our life can turn around, we can change, and we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, starting here. Let's be men who are raising up future men. I'm praying for you. God bless.